Hi, I'm Ryan Berg, the production designer from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Cobra Kai Companion. Welcome back to another episode of Cobra Kai Companion, and I am Peter, and today's interview is with production designer Ryan Berg. He is the man that is behind the look of Cobra Kai, and has worked on previous projects such as Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Children's Hospital, and Better Things on FX just to name a few. Ryan talks a little bit about his background in art and some of the other art forms he has previously done before getting into production design. Ryan shares stories of working on Cobra Kai and some of the challenges in creating and recreating sets from the original movies. And this is our conversation. Hello? Hello, Ryan. Yeah. Hi, this is Peter. Yeah, hey, Peter. How you doing? Hey, good. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm out on a walk with the dog. Oh, very nice. So this is a, a still an okay time? Yeah, perfect. Okay. Um, you know, so I I know very little of uh, exactly what you do. Uh, John Hurwitz, uh-huh. uh, sometimes he takes to Twitter and does, you know, these Q&As, and he's dropped your name at least a couple times, um, you know. Oh, good. Yeah, in regards to, you know, some of the set and stuff like that. Uh, so so what uh, what is your exact title? Uh, my title is production designer. Okay. So uh, basically, uh, I design the look of the show. So basically, like sets and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And I know that um, for the very little bit of uh, research that I've done, I know you have um, like a background in ceramic sculpture, painting, things of this. Well, what, what, Correct. Yeah. What type of other art do you do? Um, you know, my my... Well, my degrees were in uh, uh, ceramic sculpture, both my master's and my bachelor's. And um, but I kind of did like mixed media work, so it was like you know I would I was kind of doing installation uh, pieces that were like you know that had performance elements to it. So um, you know basically building you know w- weird sets that aren't related to movies and stuff. But um, that's sort of the background and the work sort of evolved from the sort of sculpture to you know these installations to then performance and then. Uh, which led me when I decided to leave that world, I got into to uh, movie making, television making, and uh, it was kind of an easy transition for me to go to, you know, designing sets and designing shows, uh, just because that's kind of what I was doing anyway, without it being a show. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's all based in sort of in, mostly interior architecture, um, you know, with a little bit of uh, you know larger architecture, but it's, it's basically that's it. Um, and the work I do now is, you know, primarily my job work, but I also, I'm still doing a lot of drawing and, and things like that, so. What was the uh, inspiration for you to get into film? You know, I'd started with the idea when I went to college, you know, when I was 18, to go into film because I, you know, I loved it. And this is the late 80s, uh, early 90s. And so I was, you know, just thought that was what I was going to do, but uh, just got sidetracked being in, you know, bands and you know, making art and stuff. So I kind of went on a different path for a while. And then I just reached a point 
in my thirties where it was time for me to kind of move on. And I was like, I really want to do this. And I started thinking more, uh, you know, cinematically and, and, uh, you know, with storytelling, it's in my own work. And so I just made a decision. It was just sort of like, I didn't even like really think about it too much other than like, I know I want to leave where I was living in Florida and, uh, move to, to Los Angeles and just sort of, sort of figure it out. And, uh, yeah, the, the rest is, has led me to here and it's been pretty, pretty good. You know I mean? I don't want to call it easy, but it's been you know easier than I thought it would be. You know? Right. And I think, I think getting into it at a time when I was, you know, older, I moved there when I was older and, uh, you know, I had a, a lot more experience just in doing things, you know, and, uh, it made it easier for me to transition into the job, you know, have people trust me that, you know, that I had some knowledge of, of, uh, visual space and, and storytelling space. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how it worked and it was great. And I love it. Really fun. I, I call myself kind of like a fake architect because I wasn't trained as an architect, but you know, I've learned how to build fake spaces that are supposedly real. And it's really kind of fun. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to jump through hoops of, uh, you know, coding and all that kind of stuff. I can, I can make whatever I want, you know, and, and, and having the sort of like the balls basically to think that I can build a spaceship just like, cause like, as if I knew how to build a spaceship, <laughs> I can build a spaceship. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, they're like, Hey, we need, we need this kind of, uh, kind of thing. I'm like, yeah, of course I can do that. I'm, well, why not? <laughs> sure. You know? So it's kind of funny. So that's kind of funny. And, and in the case of Cobra Kai, it was like when we had to do Miyagi's house, you know, to rebuild that, it was funny because, you know, it's like everybody, you know, it's familiar with it. Those of that are familiar with the movie, which is basically everyone on earth pretty much. And, uh, so when I did the research for it, you know, I realized that when they shot the movie, they shot it at a location. You probably know all of this already, but, uh, at a location and then the second movie, they, you know, I think they built it on a stage. And so there were things that didn't add up. So I would, I would try to like piece it out, like what leads from one room to the next and where's this and where's that. And it didn't make much sense. Um, it kind of made sense. So, which led me to the, uh, me and the guys to just determine like, we can pretty much do what we want as long as it looks close. Right. So that kind of stuff is fun. So that kind of research is fun. I don't have to research as much as the real world does because I often don't have much time to research it. Yeah. You know, it's like we, we start a project and within four weeks, three weeks, or sometimes even less, like the one I'm on now, it's like, you've got to like conceive, you know, read, conceive, design, and start, you know, swinging hammers within a week and a half. So it's kind of quick. Now, was it a coincidence that you ended up on Cobra Kai? Because um, I see that you also worked on Hot Tub Time Machine, which was also written by Josh Heald and uh, directed by Correct. Steve Pink, who also did um, at least one episode from season one that I recall. That's correct. Uh, no, it was Josh who, who brought me into that. Uh, we had a really great experience on Hot Tub 2. And... Uh, you know, Josh is a, just a super great guy, and like uh, he better be listening because I just said that. <laughs> um, but no, he's a no, he's a super great guy, and it was just like it just made sense. I mean, it was like a good fit, and John and Hayden are you know it's just like a terrific team, and so it was just nice having that foot in the door kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's really awesome. Um, yeah, the, all three of them have been on the show. Uh, Josh returned for a second time to talk about Hot Tub One, uh, but I actually had like a, a, a super rare opportunity and the pleasure of visiting the set in Atlanta. So I, I got to step into oh, our set here. Yeah. 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 So I got to see uh, the LaRusso house. Um, oh, terrific. Or at least, you know, the kitchen and uh, walked around uh, yeah. Miyagi uh, Do. Another set that I won't mention because uh, it, it shows up in season three. Uh, but mm -hmm. it, yeah, amazing job. Um, when I 
was in front of that Miyagi house. Uh, it was surreal. Like I, I have, I was oh, left speechless. It, it looks amazing. Thanks. Can, can you talk about the process of like? So I, I watched a few videos on YouTube about uh, production design, and as I understand it, uh-huh. you you're first kind of like given the script and you're trying to visualize what the directors are trying to picture themselves, or how, how does that work? The process of that. It kind of depends. I mean, the the thing that's interesting is that. Um, I, I, my resume is almost entirely comedy based and which is fun because a lot of times with all due respect to, to comedy people, they're not super visual. They're visual about the joke, you know, but they're not super visual about like things that I care about, you know, designing things. So I get a lot of leeway with it. So sometimes I just like start with what I think it feels like to me. And I, I consider myself to be kind of a, a practical designer. Like I don't just like design to like, I don't put things into my sets just because I just feel like putting something into my set. It has to really relate to the tone, of the character or tone of the scene or something like that. And so, yeah, I basically start with figuring out what that tone is. And if it's a character based thing, like for instance, Johnny's apartment and Johnny and Miguel's uh, apartment complex, you know, I kind of, I kind of will get a pretty quick sense of something. And then through conversations with uh, whoever's creating the show, you know, we sort of start to fine tune those things. Um, but that's, that's kind of, you know, that's pretty much an easy process for that, you know, and like, I've been very, very lucky to work with some great, you know, uh, funny minds and, uh, sort of coming up with ways to be intuitive about, uh, intuitive about how to make something funny without sort of like being the joke, you know, and in, in the sense of Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai is not necessarily a direct comedy, and so there's just little things that, that kind of inform, the, you know, the, the comedy of, say, take, for example, Johnny's apartment, the things that are in his space, you know, there's like barely anything on the walls and what is on the wall looks like, you know, the same mentality of what Johnny was like when he was a teenager, you know, in 1984. You know, it's uh, the eagle painting, a paint, uh, not painting, a poster in the poster of a, of a, a car, Right. You know, like a, a muscle car. And so it's like locating those things that make it, you know, him without just beating someone over the head, you know, is sort of part of the fun. Yeah, I, I've been in that apartment as well, Johnny's apartment and bedroom, uh, actually. Um, yeah. Hayden was right. very gracious. Not with the. Uh, yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, Hayden showed us uh, quite a bit when we were down there. Um, you mentioned that you were... Uh, uh, in college in the in the late 80s so obviously you were at the right age when you know your um credit kid one and two came out so what did it mean to you to land a job like this to to work in a uh in this universe that has already been set up did you feel any pressure to get things right or at least close to it of course i mean that would be true on anything just to make it right. But this one in particular, cause like I'll say this, you know, I, you know, I liked the movie as a kid. I, I'm not as big a fan or, you know, like in the fandom of it all as a lot of people are. And I didn't actually know the depth of the fandom of karate kid until I worked on season one. And so when we had to come up with, uh, it was by the end of season one where we reveal Daniel showing Robbie Miyagi's backyard, you know, I had to sew that together, and I by that point I had finally realized how big fandom was, the Karate Kid world was. For instance, when we were researching the poster for the All Valley Tournament, the amount of products out in the world that have that poster on it—you know, <laughs> pillows and and towels 
apples and all this kind of stuff that you can buy. I was like, oh, this is bigger than I get. So, of course, I was like, well, I got to get as close to this thing as possible. And I'm doing it from, you know, screen grabs from, you know, my iTunes download of the movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And it's like, I was like, I'm, I, you know, I think this is four inches, you know, and it's like, then you do, and it's like, I want it to be, I want it to be believable because I, I wanted the, the feeling like you were saying when you stepped in front of the, the set that, you know, you were in awe that you were kind of blown away because even though I'm not, you know, a super, super, you know, Uber fan, I'm a fan and I'm also respectful of all the people that love the, the, the movie, you know, and uh, I wanted everybody to feel that way, particularly when we, when we built the whole house that like, you know, it's got to feel like so right that you're kind of like hoping it's the real place. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, pre- sort of pressure, but not, you know, pr- I just want to have respect. Right. Were, was there any direction or was it on your guys' part to kind of make Miyagi's house look that uh, look like it hasn't been touched over time? Um, you know, like the down to the shade of the green on the outside of the building uh, to the things in and outside of the house? Yeah, well, it was more conversation with the guys uh, in figuring that out because we wanted to make sure that, you know, we knew it had age and we were sort of deciding like, well, you know, how long has Daniel owned it? You know, so there were definitely conversations about that, you know, like in the, when they're uh, in season two, when they're sort of cleaning up the backyard um, and how we designed the backyard was an interesting process because, you know, we, we made the creative choice to say that, what we saw in the backyard of Miyagi's house in the first and, and I believe mostly second movie, um, you you know you you know like where those decking pieces are and where the where the, the the punching bag is and things like that. But we needed more space for Daniel to you know develop his his uh, Miyagi Do, and um, so we took the creative liberty of like saying, all right, well he bought some property, you know, on the backside of where Miyagi was and on the other side and. and Miyagi built that pond before he passed away and so on and so forth. So at that point we start getting really creative, but at the same time you have to be like, well, what would, you know, what would Miyagi do, you know, or what would Daniel have done in respect of Miyagi in creating this backyard? Now, whose choice was it for the, the big stone with the inscription on it? Uh, that's a good question. Cause I feel like that was, cause it was scripted that, 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 uh, you know, gets knocked over uh, or something to the effect. Um, I believe that was, I think that was just part of the script. Oh, okay. But then I, and when I had come, and when I was researching things to put in that yard to sort of give it the, you know, the, the Japanese, you know, garden life, I was showing those guys some of these stones that were cut like that, you know, where you've got like some kind of, you know, saying in there that's uh, carved. It's like, like, I don't know what the exact name of it is, but it's, uh, it's a thing. Yeah, it's it's quite beautiful. Um, Hayden joked, I don't know if he's joking or what, but he, he says that the inscription says, here lies Sato. Hmm. I don't know if it, <laughs> you know, Hayden might be lying. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I think he is, yeah. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because, like, we, that brings up another interesting point. I'm just going to start rambling, I guess. But um, the, because we were very, very particular, like, my team is very particular about not just the, uh, saying, oh, these are, you know, Japanese characters. We can just throw whatever up there. You know, I can say, you know, a bottle of Coke and everything's right. fine. <laughs> no, we just gotta, it's got to actually say something like, so um, I can't talk about it because it's in season three, but there's uh, there's definitely a lot of that that we dealt with in season three. Oh, wow. And we, and we, and we had uh, a translator that, that helped us 
translate it properly and give us the right characters and the whole on for what we were trying to put in the the not not to be mentioned sets of season three. Oh sure, no, I totally understand. Yeah. But I don't. I don't entirely remember what it, what the rock says. I'll, I'll have to. Remember. I'll have to look back into that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was one of my favorite sets, obviously, to visit, just because that that's something that we've seen in the movies, obviously in California. Um, but yep. uh, looking back at you know the pictures that I took and the videos that I took, that's where I spent the most time. And um, I had a couple of friends with me as well. And there's this a really cool shot. I think that kind of encapsulate like my experience uh in, in the backyard it's just me standing next to hayden and just like taking it all in you know we're just kind of relaxed yeah, great yeah standing just like wow this is pretty amazing oh good i'm so glad he's all nonchalant about it too he's like yeah yep you know i step foot on here every day yeah so it, yeah it, it does look amazing what are some of the challenges you guys ran into uh any of the other sets um because inside miyagi's house there's actually no no, uh, no dining room like like in the movie. No. And as I understand it, is to stage the cameras. That's correct. Yeah, basically, what what we did is we decided that like we needed a couple rooms. We didn't have you know we didn't have a lot of money uh, just to you know build the entire house. And so the two things that I did was or with the guys decided okay we we need two rooms that we can shoot in. One needs to house the sort of the um, the hall of past senseis. And then the other one would be sort of the, the indoor dojo part, you know, that, that Daniel trains the, ki- the kids in. And with that one, we basically just did, we took elements from, and forgive me that I don't, I don't have all the, the, the uh, oh, yeah, no, which fine. movie is which, but I think it's in the second movie when Daniel goes to stay with Miyagi. Yes. Uh, he lives in it for a while. Um, you know, that room that he's in that has that sort of octagon or, um, you know, window or whatever. Right. It's, uh, we sort of used that one. Plus that the fireplace, we we match those as best we could, and then kind of fudge the rest of the room. So it has a similar look, but it's again, it's as if Daniel, you know, made some adjustments um, right. to me. I guess so. Like when you go through those sliding doors, that would go into you know to the house, side of the house that had the what would used to be the kitchen. You know, you assume that's the bedroom, but I, what I had to do is I, I made the width of the house when you're looking at it from the front. You know, I made that proper. Uh, slightly smaller, but then, and then when you're in the back, you feel it. It's like the full size house, but I just shrunk the depth of the house so we could fit it in the space that we had, and also um, that's basically it to fit it, and then we couldn't build the rest. So I couldn't, I couldn't afford or have the space to build the entire house. So anyway, that was sort of like a little movie trick where I just, I just basically scrunched it yeah. from the back to the front, and then from side to side, it's. it's pretty right and then the rest is, is bs <laughs> you know basically um so that was one and that was a fun challenge and then it's like um you know since that's the only one well actually we had some challenges in uh, season one where we had some flashbacks to the cobra kai dojo creases dojo and uh we had to really cobble that together seeing that flashback with you know things we have here in atlanta which you know shooting atlanta for la is not the world's easiest thing, but uh, I've done worse. <laughs> I mean, it's actually funny. The funny thing about the hot tub too is that when I first got onto hot tub, you know, I got on it early and things were kind of moving quickly. And like the, the script had had it written that it was in Fort Lauderdale, and we were going to shoot New Orleans as Fort Lauderdale. And I I knew Steve from before from Children's Hospital, and I just like I was like, bro, I don't I don't really know how we're going to do that. <laughs> you know, it's like that's a 
that's a real tough one. There's some things you can pull off, but if we're ever outside, we're going to be screwed, you know, because New Orleans, New Orleans is so New Orleans. And that's what kind of, we were kind of like, all right, it's in New Orleans. They live in New Orleans now, you know, which is smart. Back to Miyagi's house real quick. The, the, I did notice uh, Miyagi's boat in the front of the house. Is that also part of your guys's production design, or is that like a prop? Uh, that's part of production design. So that's a, what would be called a set dress, set dress piece. Because you know there was the one from the movie that was up on the the, the horses, mm-hmm. um, and so we wanted that. And like I, I really wanted to have you know some of those oil drills. You know you see it you know, from the Miyagi house in the movie. That proved to be uh, an issue. So uh, we. We just put as much as we could in there, you know. Now, when you're designing the, the sets, is the idea also to build it um, so it's easily uh, can be taken down? It depends. Uh, with the, the that house, we built it to be more. I mean, it's essentially a cabin, mm-hmm. you know. And in in a on a soundstage, you know, you're going to build it with lo- far less structural materials, you know. So you're not doing like two by four studying and you know plywood or drywall or something that using much thinner and, and more temporary material, lightweight material. But that one we had to build to sort of withstand the, uh, the elements more. And uh, that's basically what we have to do. But generally, and it, and it really just depends too, like oftentimes we have to build things, you know, using existing architecture. So that's sometimes a challenge. But, uh, and then like, like, for instance, in the case of the LaRusso house, you know, we were recreating the house that we used that was a location from season one. You know, there's things we had to do to that to make it, you know, more movie friendly Mm -hmm. or, you know, camera friendly. Now, I I know that, uh, let's see, Shannon and Robbie's apartment was also the same room where Hawk got his uh, back tattoo in season two. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Was there any other sets that was also used for something else that maybe the the audience didn't know? I think so. So, because in, in season two, Johnny's on the speed date, right? Yes. Um, okay, so in season one, that same set, I re- well, I redid it for the Johnny uh, speed dating one. That same set was like a, a pre-existing um, like bar. And so in the first season, it was a scene where uh, Daniel and Amanda are at the country club. Oh, okay. And so like they're at a country club uh, dinner, so that's the same set. Uh, and then we've actually used the, the space that's Robbie and Shannon's apartment. I think we've used it three different ways and I won't, I'm not, I can't speak of the other ways yet because it's in season three. Oh, I see. But it's a spaceship. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Been hanging around with Hayden too much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, which is fine by me. Hayden, I think Hayden's hysterical. Oh yeah. yeah. But, uh, and then I can't remember if we use the place at Sid's house. I think I've tried to make Sid's house into a few other things, and that hasn't really happened. And then uh, all this stuff, I'm, I, there's things that for season three that I used other sets and repurposed them, redid them. Oh, sure. Yeah, I, I can't wait for season three, because obviously all we know is that Daniel does go to Okinawa, and then Hayden shared sure. uh, a photo of him in Okinawa shooting some things. So, um, yeah, when that when that comes out, I would love to speak to you again, because I'm sure we're going to have all types of questions. Um, yeah, let me put it this way. We we really figured out some interesting solutions to <laughs> what Okinawa is. Oh. So, anyway. Oh, yeah, very excited to hear. Um, can you talk about the, the the process of like getting the script and you know mapping out 
your guys's plan in building uh, new sets and things of that nature? Sure. I mean, I think what we do is we, you know, I mean, the boring stuff is we find out what we can do in terms of, uh, you know, affordability uh, and where we're going to do it and what gets the most bang for the buck. Um, the you basically we just break it down and we and we figure out what we need to build and what we need to find, uh, you know, location wise, and then we go from there. Um, not that much more to it than that, you know, other than like, can we do it and how much of it do we need to see? And so like other uh, things that go into that decision-making process are like, you know, are, are we going to see like, for instance, in the little Russo house, the upstairs, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to sell that there's an upstairs when we don't have the upstairs, for instance. And so um, decisions about how to uh, make it more filmable. So and I think the LaRusso house is a good example. The, um, when we shot at that other house, you know, it had certain limitations when it was the actual location that we had uh, rented. And it was like, you know, they had eight foot ceiling, eight foot high ceilings. They had, you know, the hallways were a little bit tight. So when we decided to build it for season two, I decided to raise the ceilings up one more foot just to give a little bit of breathing room. Uh, I also opened up the living room and the area around the atrium by about three feet. So basically making the, the spaces where they were in, like the living room, the, the kitchen and so on, bigger. So that uh, it's easier to film in. It's easier for just to move around in. I felt the, the house was a little tight for me. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a little tight for shooting. And so those are things I take into consideration. So, uh, I just, I, I want to pay attention to how to make it also, uh, filmable, you know, for, for the crew and for, for camera and the, and the actors. I, uh, I mostly care about how the actors are dealing with the space. I want them to be comfortable in the space and that they believe the space. Cause I feel like if they're in something super fakey and super, you know, junky, if I were acting, it would take me out of it. Yeah. So I, those are the things I kind of think about. Uh, I, I keep going back to the Miyagi house just because, you know, it's probably, in my opinion, the most recognizable just because of, you know, the the, the previous movies. Uh, and we do see a lot of it. Uh, what is the production team? I, I don't know if, well, what, what they're exactly called, but like what kind of manpower does it take to build mm-hmm. sets? Like how many people are in this team that puts all this stuff together? Yeah, I can even break it down for you. It's like basically it's me. I'm, I run the art department, which can then include set dressing or set decorating, um, construction, paint, and all that. So, and uh, the greens department that does the, you know, the uh, exterior plants and trees and such. So basically, uh, I'm doing research. I'm getting the, the drawings. I'm making the decisions on what we did, you know, cut or, or uh, expand or whatever. And then I have an art director who's my brother that works with me. And he starts helping break down, basically, the scheduling of how to get the, the thing built works closely with the construction coordinator and their team, uh, you know, to sort of plan out how we're going to do it, where we're going to do it, what are the issues, um, with the land, how's water coming through, you know, you have to do a little bit of that when you're, when you're outdoors, but, um, and then I've got a team that is, uh, the set decorator who's, you know, going out and finding all the things that, that go into the set. So all the furniture, the pictures, the curtains, the, all the little stuff that we put into the set and uh, that's managed by that person's team. And then, um, and then I've got set, you know, the people that actually do the, the physical work of moving the stuff in. I've got the painters that are painting, doing the aging. And so they'll make like, for instance, in the on the aging on the side of the house, you know, we would go through different samples of, of 
you know, this kind of color, this kind of the amount, you know, how grungy, how clean, you know, making it less uniform and so on and so forth. And that's, that's kind of how I, it's kind of what's done, you know, and I, I oversee all of those people. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. Good, you know, because there's not a lot of like, behind the scenes stuff out there. And uh, as a kid growing up, I loved watching the supplemental material on DVDs just to see how things are created. So I, I, I am enjoying hearing all of this. It's, it's sometimes very interesting and sometimes very uninteresting. It's like, you know, mundane things about painting walls and so on. But I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was uh, speaking of painting, like uh, uh, when you guys were building like the decks at Miyagi's house or even constructing the house itself, did you guys get to do the whole paint the fence technique and sand the floors and all that stuff too, just for fun? Uh, do we see some of that? Um, did we do it as like, like my team? Yes. I'm, I'm sure they did. Oh, I'm sure of it. There's a, there's a lot of that chatter. Yeah. There's a lot of that around. And, uh, yeah, you can't not make karate kid references. It's, uh, <laughs> and when you're working on Miyagi's house, you're almost a jerk if you don't make them. So if any of my crew did not do it, they're fired. <laughs> they're, they're out. You got to do it the correct way. Yeah. Have respect. You know, Miyagi's not with us anymore. That's right. Um, you know, as we get ready to wrap up, do you have any other stories of production that you can share or that you would like to share? Oh gosh, that's a good question. There's been so many things and, and solutions that we have to do. I, you know, I think mostly it's like, I, I, you know, to the guys, you know, thanks to the guys for having me on for first, you know, first of all, cause it's been a really fun show and it is a fun show. And, uh, I think, you know, the challenge of, of making and committing to being in Atlanta to shoot this thing as you know the valley it's that's always our that's our most sort of challenging and i think one of the more fun things that we do you know because you have to come up with weird solutions and i think they're very fun and the guys have been really great and easy to work with on those things you know no one's yelling and you know cracking the whip um i think that's one i think that uh i'd also like to say that with uh, billy and ralph i mean i can't say enough about those guys you know that living in the legacy of their own selves you know, is, is pretty spectacular to be around and, and collaborating with them to the point of where they, you know, they have some notes from time to time and like being able to talk to them about the legacy of, of the karate kid with the two guys that were so that is pretty spectacular. I mean, it's, it's a rare, rare kind of moment. And so that's not really a story, just more like a thanks dudes kind of moment, but they're great. And that concludes my conversation with Ryan Berg. I want to thank him again for giving me the opportunity to uh, pick his brain a little bit and learn a little bit more about production design. Definitely looking forward to season three and seeing how creative they got in uh, recreating Okinawa. If you would like to follow Ryan Berg on social media, he is on Instagram at Glitter Chariot. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram at Cobra Kai Podcast and also Cobra Kai Pod on Twitter. Uh, as always, I want to thank everybody for your guys' continued support. If you have a couple of minutes, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would really help out the visibility of the show. Uh, at this point, we have not yet heard of a release date for Season 3. Uh, they are currently still in post-production. And so that will wrap up for this episode, and I'll see you guys next time.
Thank you for listening to the Court and Parts Podcast Network. To listen to more Court and Parts shows, visit courtandparts.com. Uh, I'm on Instagram, not Twitter. You are on Instagram. Let me uh, get that down because I, I would like to tag you for anybody that would be interested in following you too. Um, what, sure. What is that username? Glitter Chariot. Oh, I forgot to bring that up. Do you want to talk about that, Glitter Chariot? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want me to talk about it? I'm sure I can edit it in there somehow. I, I bet. I bet John loves Glitter Chariot. Okay. Uh, when I first showed him, I blew his mind. He thought this is the most insane thing I've ever seen. He couldn't believe it was me. Glitter Chariot is just in a short sentence, or a short way of describing it, is, is a performance art project that I've that I created and been involved in for longer than I could probably even like to say. Uh, and uh, you can glitterchariot.com. <laughs> That'll explain it. It's hard to explain. Okay. But it's it's entertain it's very entertaining, uh, I think, and uh, it's definitely visual. And uh, it's not dirty though. I don't people don't think it's dirty. Because <laughs> sometimes when people people say it's very oh boy. No, it's not dirty. It's very, very uh, clean. It's, uh, nothing happens like that. But at any rate it's uh it's my it's part of my art, basically. Okay. And John yeah, John is a fan just by showing it to him. So I hope he enjoys hearing about it in the podcast. I think he will. Good. Yeah, yeah, but Glitter Chariot is my uh, Instagram name, whatever you call it. Yeah. Okay.